Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. As always, guys, we just put out merch, so you can go to shop.oplshow.com to purchase some. A portion of the proceeds will go to charity. Anyway, uh, Greg, what do we have today? So we have a little bit of a different episode in a way. This is actually the first time, I will say, that that we got an email from someone today. Like yeah. only hours earlier. Right. And we thought that it, you know, made so much sense for an episode that we kind of did everything, you know, we needed to do to put this together. And now here we are. And uh, we are talking to a suicide survivor. I think, uh, you know, this, this past week especially, uh, suicide, you know, has been a mainstream topic. Obviously, most recently, uh, Anthony Bourdain uh, Kate, Kate Spade, Spade. Mm-hmm. even we were talking about Avicii wasn't, you know, too long ago. So a lot of these celebrity suicides that have been in the news, looking at some stats now on CNN, um, just in this past week, calls to the suicide hotline went up 65%. Text grew 116%, um, you know, after the news broke. So, you know, it's a, it's a really prevalent topic right now. I think, you know, for us, kind of a cool byproduct of the show is that there have been, you know, I guess some like mental health, you know, conversations here or, or conversations that have stemmed from the show around mental health. And I know we don't really look at this show as a mental health show. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, we know we're not experts, you know, at all. So we kind of don't always have those conversations head on. Uh, but, you know, with everything that is going on, we just felt like, this platform that we have, you know, sort of makes sense for a conversation like this. And and we got an email from a guy uh, who kind of shared his story with us. And, you know, luckily he is a, you know, survivor of this and has kind of turned into a mental health advocate. And, you know, for us, this is just really offering up the platform. I don't know, you know, what, what we really have to add to this conversation. I think we spoke enough last week too, you know, yeah. to be honest. Um, but really just offering up this platform and, and kind of sitting back, listening, learning. And, you know, hopefully this is a conversation from someone who's, you know, gone through this that can help a lot of people. Yeah. I, I just like, I, I can't even wrap my mind around how incredibly amazing it must be to go for so, from such a low place mm. to now tackling that issue head on and being like an advocate for it yeah just to have that desire to you know then help others and and understand how how serious this is uh yeah that's that's just like an incredible journey Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like like i said just to go from that place to now you're on the complete opposite side of it yeah it's just like and it's just you know i mean i feel personally that i've been lucky enough that i've never really come across these feelings or you know had suicidal thoughts or anything like that i think i've definitely dealt with you know certain things anxiety things like that definitely being one of them uh but you know never necessarily depression or or anything like that so you know it's hard for me to you know even understand how deep some of these feelings can get so it's just you know it's going to be interesting to kind of hear and and learn about this and it just it's something that affects so many people yeah um all right so let's give him a call and uh find out what's going on hello 
Hey, how's it going? This is Greg and Joe. Hello. What's going on? Uh, nothing. So uh, we just uh, read some of your email, and we were just you know, talking about, obviously, you are a suicide survivor, and you are now a... Uh, you know, an advocate for suicide prevention and, you know, depression, anxiety and things like that. I, I'm just, I'm fascinated of, of how you were able to make this uh, sort of journey to being at a, a such a low point to now you're like an advocate and you're speaking out and, and you're like educating people. Like, how did you come to be that strong and able to overcome that? Because that is just like incredible to me. I can't even wrap my mind around that. Well, uh, I was diagnosed, like actually diagnosed at 16. Uh, that's when somebody actually told me that's what I had. And my mom told me that she, you know, had it. So I, I kind of inherited it that way because it is hereditary in some forms. Are you talking about and the depression? Wanted, yes, the okay. depression itself, the thing that caused me to get there. And she wanted me to, to educate myself. And so I spent a lot of time, like, learning and you know, studying and trying to figure out everything, like trying to know as much as possible about it. That way I would know how to cope with it and, and deal with it. And then after what happened, because I had gotten to the worst point that it can get to, I, I, I experienced the worst of it. And I kind of told myself I didn't want, you know, if I could try and, you know, help somebody, I don't want anybody to experience what I went through, you know? Definitely. So I guess walk us through, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who, you know, have either been diagnosed with depression, um, maybe, you know, are wondering about certain feelings and emotions that they are having that, that may relate to that. You know, how, uh, what were kind of the original feelings you felt? I mean, I, how did this kind of build up? How did you become aware that, you know, you that you did have depression and, and you know just what are those feelings for you know anyone who may be feeling it or anyone who has never felt that and you know can't really understand uh what that feels like because you know the term depression is just thrown around so much yeah the, that is something I, I try to educate people on most about the, the depression thing getting thrown around so much it's so commonly used that it's it's become very mainstream and not many people understand it or it becomes something that's an excuse to kind of ignore people for help because of how much it gets thrown around. But when I was diagnosed, I kind of looked back on my whole life and realized that it wasn't like something new. I'd, I've always struggled with this. And I, I realized that a lot of the like, stuff that I went through when I was younger where I would get very emotional and down was because of depression, even though maybe the situation wasn't as bad as it seemed at the time. Uh, you know, simple things that maybe weren't that big of a deal or that big of an issue always seemed to escalate to a point where it seemed much worse for me. Are there any examples of, of that? Like something from when you were younger? Um, my, I, the, like the first time I really started educating myself was I went through a really hard time in my early years of high school and I kind of made a plan to commit suicide and somebody noticed something was wrong with me that day and they reached out to me and they actually helped me get help at that point in time. But it was just <clears throat> small things like, you know, I didn't really like my 
my job, I was working at Wendy's, and again, I was 16, and that's a normal job for a 16-year-old. It just wasn't enough for me. I felt like I should be doing something better at 16. Uh, I went through a bad breakup um, out of an abusive relationship. Um, where that kind of did help, you know, have realism to the issue, but it wasn't as big, like I said, as it wasn't life-threatening. But that kind of helps, you know, all these little things push you to that point, but none of them are actually life-threatening. Um, I used to get very upset when I was younger. I was always a kid who was crying in school over every little thing. Like if something upset me or if I was getting angry, it would bring me straight to tears. Um, I used to dwell a lot on things that were negative, not so much the positive. Uh, my parents separated when I was younger. I never really got to experience it, but it was a big factor in my life, even though I didn't understand it at the time or really know. And I didn't, like, it was kind of like for some reason focusing on it when it wasn't at all important. It had nothing to do with my life at the time, but it, it's just something that my, my, I was focused on, and it just kept you know, popping into my brain and becoming a recurring thing, even though there's really you know, nothing to do with it. Um, I think other smaller examples, because obviously I have one big example, but I don't, it's not really an example for people to realize. But it's all, it all comes down to, like, the, what depression actually is. It, like, suppresses the logical side of your brain, and you only feel the emotional side. So in a small situation, like maybe you're making plans with a friend, and then you know, they decide, oh, I can't do it now. Uh, there's the two sides of your brain would be, you know, the logical side saying, okay, well, maybe they have something to do. Maybe they have this issue. There's probably a reason why they can't come. And your emotional side of your brain says, well, they hate me. They don't want to see me. Uh, what did I do wrong? Uh, it just goes straight to the irrational side of things. That's one way to look at it instead of logical or emotional is rational, irrational. And depression kind of just suppresses the rational or logical side of your brain and causes you to just only feel the emotional or otherwise irrational feeling or side of what may be happening. Yeah, that that's that's definitely interesting. I think that's uh that description makes a lot of sense. So when when you you know, you go through this whole thing and then you come out the other side and and you know, when did you decide I am going, I'm not going to hide this from people. I'm actually going to speak out against it and try to help other people. Was there something that happened that was like the deciding factor for you? Or, or was this always just kind of, you know, as you were going through this, you're like, when I get out of this, I am going to start helping people. I, so I had to do my 72-hour hold right after I got released from the hospital after what happened. And while I was in the hospital... My dad introduced me to a friend of his who is a pastor, and he runs a program that you know, goes to schools and holds these events that focuses on anti-bullying and depression awareness and suicide prevention. And apparently his son went through a lot of the same stuff that I did, and he actually made an attempt on his own life. And he speaks you know, out in the community. You know, it's, it's hard for him, but he, you know, he told me the story about his son go, that goes out with him and, and tells people about this. And, you know, hearing that, I realized that I could turn this, this, like, issue into a strength or an ability to help people. Um, I, once I, I finally got through the whole process, I, I just got determined. I, I had to flip the script on myself and realize that my depression does not 
control me. I'm in control of me, and I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And like I said, with all the studying that I did and all the, the research that I looked into this, I knew that I have the capability and the knowledge to share with people and help spread the word because there are so many people <clears throat> who suffer from this and may not know or may not be able to get the help that they need because they just feel alone in that situation, that there's nobody else who can help. So just sometimes sharing the situation that I went through, saying, hey, I went through this. There is, you know, another side that you don't see. There is, you know, life afterwards. There's no reason to, to get down and get to that point when I can, you know, tell you and show you what it could be without that, what it could be afterward, what could happen if you, if you don't get to that point, because I'm living it right now. So when, when you help people, what is one of the main things that, you know, because I, this, this episode when we post it is, is going to be helping a lot of people. So I, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain about, you know, what is one of the main things that you tell somebody who is dealing with depression to, you know, so that they don't, uh, you know, lean towards you know, suicide or any suicidal thoughts. So what is like one of the main things that you try to hammer home with them? Uh, the, one of the, the big thing that I try to tell people is to focus on what's really around you because I didn't realize what sort of safety net and social circle and like help from the friends and family that I had. I never noticed that when I was in that point. So just, you know, kind of opening your eyes and actually noticing what's out there and, if you might think you don't have anybody that might care about you, I care about you. There's somebody out there who cares about you. And if you doubt that anybody can, it's me. I'm here. You can come talk to me with whatever you need to. I encourage everybody who has that issue to, to contact me, especially if you're in a down place, <clears throat> and realize the help that you actually have, that you may not notice that there are options out there. And... You know, maybe it could be different for each person, but just to to focus on what you have that can help push you through. A lot of the time it is friends and family and, like, a support group that you might have, like I do with my friends and family who are always here for me. Um, they may not know what's going on with you, so opening up and speaking about it with people is something that really does help people. And that's why the first thing I do when somebody tells me is I tell them my story. Because if I open up to you and tell you what I went through, you're more comfortable to open up to me or maybe anybody else who has that issue. You're not alone. I'm here. I went through it. There are people out there, lots of people. A good portion of society actually suffers from this. And, you know, if you speak out and you tell people, there is always help. There's always somebody there who cares. No, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned your story, and obviously feel free to go into you know, whatever detail you want. It's, it's really whatever you're comfortable sharing. I guess what is the, you know, a lot of people live with, you know, just depression and, and they're kind of able to get through that or just live with it on a daily basis. You know, what's, what's the real difference, you know, between that and kind of crossing into that boundary of, I guess, what would be considered, you know, suicidal thoughts and, and what's, you know, kind of that point, what are, some of the differences or changes or things that, you know, you feel where maybe people should kind of realize, you know, this is a point where if I haven't 
you know, gotten help yet or talked to anyone, I really should because, you know, whatever the case may be, my, my thoughts are really, um, you know, going more in a certain direction or, you know, d- does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the biggest sign that really gets people to that point is kind of a feeling of worthlessness. Uh, that thought in your head that if maybe if I wasn't around or if I never existed, I wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't have to go through anything that I might cause them. Nobody would have to deal with me, especially when you get depressed, you become a shell of a person and you kind of feel embarrassed that all these people have to see you and deal with you like this. <clears throat> but it's always that feeling of, I shouldn't be here. What would, what would it be if I wasn't here? And that kind of pushes you on a very slippery slope downwards towards suicide and suicidal thoughts. And that, like I said, that is the, the biggest thing that people always say when, you know, they've attempted or whenever somebody writes a note before they you know, commit suicide. It's always the feeling of what would life be like without me? I, I know everybody can go on when I'm not here. And the problem with that statement is you don't get to see what happens after. You know, once you commit suicide, your friends and family and loved ones are left to pick up the pieces, maybe not understanding, and you don't get to see what happens to them. I have plenty of friends and family and people who I've lost to suicide, and I've seen people go through the emotions and what to do afterwards. But once you've gone past that point and you've committed suicide, you don't get to experience what they experience. And that's why I'm such an advocate for it, too, is because I did get to see the other side. I made it through and I saw what happens after suicide and what it does to people and what I cause to people. And there's no reason for anybody to feel that way. And there's there's a lot of... I know, it's it's kind of hard talk about it um there is a beyond point there is past that so it's just making sure that once you get to the point of you know it's kind of like self-hate hating yourself and maybe like i said wondering about what it would be like without you that is the too far point that's when you should seek help Yeah, I uh, I think that's that's really helpful. Um, well, yeah, I think that's really powerful. What you said is just you, you know, you, you you're not able to be there to see how it affects others. I mean, what were, you know, in in your case, um, you kind of mentioned in your email that um, obviously you wrote um, all my struggle came to a point um, when you did attempt to commit suicide. Uh, you you know, luckily survived that experience, spent three days in the hospital. I mean, what was, uh, what did you see from your, your family and loved ones? You know, what, what was that kind of initial reaction and, you know, how did that kind of change over time into, you know, what seems now to be a support system for you? Gotcha. I'm going to get a little emotional here. I apologize. It's kind of a, I don't, I usually don't go into detail about it, but I, I'm definitely happy to share that experience here. But I just want to warn you that it's probably going to get a little get choked up. Um, of course, and w- whatever so, you're comfortable with, obviously. So, the, I still remember the date. I just passed my three-year mark since it happened. It was May 25th, 2015. Um, all of my depression and thoughts and all the 
being down on myself and hating myself came to a point where I decided to sit down and swallow approximately 2,000 pills. I blacked out, and I woke up 18 hours later in an emergency room. Um, and that's the weirdest feeling I can kind of describe when you have that certainty that it's all going to go away and there's not going to be anything else. And then you regain consciousness. It's a very, um, so that was that exact moment right there when I woke up was the worst feeling in the world. I've never had anything come close to that. And I have no way of describing the emotions that happened to me. I ended up waking up in a hospital bed. I was strapped down because of the you know ability to hurt myself and because I had a breathing tube shoved in my throat. So I was strapped down, I had a breathing tube shoved in my throat, and there was a lot of tears and stuff in my eyes, so I couldn't even open my eyes. So with the you know combination of all those things, being unable to move, unable to speak, unable to see, <clears throat> all I could do was hear. And the only thing that I could hear were the voices of my mom and my friends worrying about me and the fear and the pain in their voices because of what they were experiencing and going through. Um, I have a friend who is, you know, the definition of a manly man who would rather be angry than sad and could, I could hear the fear and the pain and the anger in his voice when he would speak. And just being able to hear what they were going through and, and the panic and the worry in my mom's voice when she realized that I, I woke up and I wanted to, to scream and yell and say that I'm, I'm sorry and explain what happened, but I couldn't because of the breathing tube. I just had to sit there and listen and suffer through the sounds of my family and loved ones terrified for me and crying and just going through, like I said, the feelings that nobody should ever have to go through. I, I woke up in a world of panic and anger and sadness. And like I said, that is the, the worst feeling. There is, I've never experienced, and I don't think I ever will experience, a point past that. I've been to the worst place, and that is it. So being able to wake up and hear what happens afterward, being able to experience what happened afterward, that's where my story is different from other people because most people don't get to wake up. I woke up and I had to see my family and my dad, who I hadn't seen in three years, the second my mom called him, uh, spent money he didn't have on a plane ticket to get to me and come see me. And that was probably one of the the hardest things because this man cared so much that he worked so hard to come see me and you know make sure I was okay when I really hadn't had you know that much of a you know relationship with him before that and it really you know afterwards it brought me and my dad closer together I spent a year living with him after that 
and he really helped me get past. But that feeling of seeing all my loved ones walk into the room as I was, you know, in the hospital, making sure I was okay. I had to spend three days there making sure that I was still healthy and I was okay. I found out that when my heart stopped because of the overdose, they gave me um, an overdose of epinephrine, which caused my heart to start and then stop again immediately. So they had to do a bunch of tests on my heart to make sure that I wouldn't have any long-term damage because of it. And then once I was cleared there, I was uh, sent to the behavioral health facility, um, you know, where people with depression, suicidal tendencies go. This one was much nicer than the first one I went to because, like I said, it was the, the second one I went to in my life. And this one was a better experience, but it was just a better environment and a much better place than the first one that I went to because, unfortunately, a lot of these places treat all mental health the same. So whether you have depression, suicidal tendencies, or, or bad anxiety attacks, you get you get put in the same room with somebody who has schizophrenia or multiple multiple personality disorder or somebody who has insane anger problems and has to be put on three different horse tranquilizers to keep that suppressed. It's all treated the same, and they kind of just throw everybody together. Um, it was it was like I said the the most horrible thing I could think to ever happen to a person. And I had to live through it. And I, I can still, I still experience the pain and the sadness that I brought everybody. And no amount of time spent apologizing or you know, thanking them for being there is ever going to make up for what I did. But yeah. I'm so thankful now for everybody that I have because I, I, I might not have ever had them again. That is, an, that is, I mean, when, I, when I'm hearing you tell this story and just like trying to, you know, picture that kind of emotion and feeling and like being in that state and it, it, it just makes me like, I don't, like, I, I have never even, because obviously, you know, people talk about suicide uh, prevention and just like you, you know it exists but you never truly talk to anyone who's been through it like you have and you know just from you being able to talk about it to us and then also being able to be an advocate for it and you know you want to do your part and help people and and you're sorry to your family members and you were able to bring people who are dealing with depression this unique perspective of you know, this is what it's like when you survive and, you know, you can turn it all around. It's, I, I'm like just even grateful just to speak to you, honestly. And I really mean that. Like this, like, I'm not, I'm never going to forget this. Well, thanks for saying that, Joe. Um, I think one, and even, you know, something that's close to that experience, but not, you know, as bad is having, I my wife is the one who found me when I was unconscious. She, uh, she came home and, and found me. Apparently when I blacked out, I managed to get myself to a bathroom and I was vomiting everywhere. And she, like I said, she's the one who found me. And if not for her, I wouldn't be here. 
on top of the fact that she came home when she did and you know she called you know paramedics and they helped her administer CPR on me um it's you know one of those things that makes you appreciate life that maybe one more red light that she had stopped at or or one small thing maybe she hadn't decided to leave her parents house when she did it it would have been life or death for me it, that would have been the end i am i can never thank her enough for what she did that day and i can never apologize enough for what i put her through she's She's still she, she's actually right here next to me, <laughs> helping kind of make sure that I'm like, kind of helping me keep it together. Because um, usually when I go over this, it's, it's a lot more tears and bawling. Because it's like I said, such a hard issue for me to talk about because I never go into detail about it. But um, she, you know, she did help me when I was in the hospital and when I was in the behavioral health facility. So I I kind of regretted it at the time, but. I'm very thankful for her now, making sure that my son didn't see me in that state because I don't know how that would have affected him. But, you know, you know in hindsight, it's, it's, it was for the better. And now I have every reason to keep going in my wife and my two kids. If I'm not, you know, pushing forward for myself, I'm pushing forward for them. It's not just about me anymore. I have, I have people to take care of. Yeah, I mean, just just the courage to share that is, yeah, I, I can't think of anything that really parallels that. It's it's incredible. I mean, you know, we're obviously so glad that you did come out of that and you had the right people around you, and that you, you know you're just able to share this story. And so helping you know share my story and making sure people understand what's going on will you know just bring just just the knowledge about depression and you know suicide and all that stuff will help so many people because there are such a large you know amount of people who suffer from this and they don't have a support system or they don't know how to get help and so it's you know suicide hotlines and all these getting you through these things are such a big thing right now it's very important that we keep these go like keep these funded and we keep you know making sure this is all readily available to people um when logic released that song with um the 1-800-273-TALK as you know it's the name of the song it's said a hundred times i became such a huge fan of logic because of the fact that he was putting so much out there in the way of making sure people are you know taken care of and making sure people know about what's out there for help just knowing the song existed brought me to tears and you know people need to know and you know making sure that they have all these things available to them all these support systems and you know like i said the hotline or maybe going to see a therapist or medication it's all available you just need to ask for it you need to make sure somebody knows and if you don't have the courage to ask tell somebody what you're going through and they can help you get to the you know get to the sources that you need i I still, you know, just because my, my suicide is over with doesn't mean my depression is gone. Right. It's a, you know, it's a disease, it's a disorder that you never, there's no cure for. And on a couple different occasions, if I was, you know, going to overboard over the edge, I would make a phone call. And I have, like I said, it's such a great support system to no matter where I'm at, they will drop everything to, you know, to come help me. 
just seeing that in people makes me realize what I'm, you know, what I have. And then also realize what so many people might not. No, absolutely. And, you know, one thing too is, you know, I think get, getting to the place where you are able to seek that help is obviously so important. I just, I would also imagine that so many people, you know, who, who have these feelings that aren't able to bring themselves to seek help. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking before we called you obviously about the news. And I think one of the reasons we're having this conversation and well, why the conversation is so timely, uh, obviously you look at someone like, you know, a Kate Spade with, you know, a fashion empire essentially, or Anthony Bourdain, who, I mean, who, who had a cooler job than Anthony Bourdain, probably no one, you know, if, if they're not actively seeking help, like are there warning signs and, and how important is it for people who may notice, you know, signs to, reach out to some or to approach that person and, you know, say something as simple as, you know, are you okay? Do you need help? How, like how far does that, you know, go? You, I believe you should always be checking on everybody, you know, because of these situations like Anthony Bourdain and all these other celebrities who are you know suddenly popping up, you know, they've committed suicide. It's always, it, sometimes it seems like the strongest people, the ones who have everything to live for, are the ones who commit suicide. And, and that's what's very shocking to people because, again, it doesn't seem like they could ever reach that point. Um, I'm so outwardly positive and just nice to everyone I meet because you know, maybe just I've heard stories from you know, individuals while I'm in, you know, these, I've been in these facilities or I've heard, heard people talk to me that, you know, that was the, you know, this was the day I was going to, you know, I was going to go home and I was going to kill myself. But that stranger smiled at me on the sidewalk and for some reason, that one little thing brightened up my day. Not everybody, you know, you know, suffers from depression like I do. When, you know, whenever I'm down, I basically become a shell of myself. And I'm always, I just, you can physically see that there's something wrong with me. But again, it does happen to people who seem like they have everything to live for. Depression is not a disease you can see. You know, if you have cancer, you can see that somebody's struggling. There's physical signs that they have a disease that's you know, killing them. You can't see depression. You can't see anxiety. You can't you know, see all these mental health issues that people have because it's all internal. It's all in your mind. It, there's no, nobody's immune. And just making sure that you are you know, supportive of everybody in your life. Like Joe probably doesn't realize how much of a support system he is, not just to his friends, but everybody that you know listens to his content uh that you know that i'm kind of going back and listening to all of his old stuff i'm almost caught up on every basement yard and other people's lives episodes since the beginning and the number of times he just speaks about you know, you know following his aims and moving on he probably doesn't realize how many people he helps and maybe that might be what they you know pushes them to keep going maybe that small you know like i said a smile anything could help somebody go forward um, just, you know, encouragement, positivity, it, it, everybody remain, you know, puts out positivity and, ma you know, making sure everybody around them is in a safe place. There's, there's no reason for this to, to be such a big problem. You know, if maybe just one person had asked Anthony Bourdain this week, hey, you doing all right? Hey, how's it going? You just have a simple talk with them. Maybe things would have been different. But not everybody gets those little things. Right. Yeah, no, it's, 
the little things just they go such a long way and like you said just truly never know what you know what someone's going through and you know what simple little action that you may never know will have an impact you know could just like the difference between holding a door for someone or you know letting it slam in their face you, you just really never know yeah but like my example of that small thing when i you know when i went to a facility the first time was because i had gotten really down i was in high school and like all the world was coming down on me and I made a plan that when I got home from school that day, that's when we're, that's when I was going to do it. And I will always be so thankful for this man, but my first you know, teacher for the day was my woodshop teacher. And I spent a lot of time with him, and he, he you know, we got very close. He was, you know, he's always been a good friend of mine. And he saw something wrong with me that day, and he pulled me out of class and asked what was going on. And I immediately broke down right there. And that's when I went through the process of, you know, seeing a counselor, going to um, a wonderful organization called Aspen Point that helps out people with mental health issues, and then end up, you know, spending a week in a mental health facility, you know, seeing a therapist and going through all those things. But it was just that one moment where he saw something wrong with me that day and decided to pull me out and say, hey, what's going on? No, absolutely. What's, um, you know, a after this kind of happened, what is that first interaction that you have with your family? I mean, how can you even begin to, you know, express what happened? I, I can't imagine. Or is it just, do, do they kind of immediately, you know, become that support system for you? That, that did happen in my case. Um, every, every person that I saw then immediately knew what I was going through, what I had gone through that I really did have a problem I needed help with and everybody kind of jumped into action to help me. But, you know, those days in the hospital where everybody was coming to visit me to make sure I was okay, I, I probably said a total of 20 words in those three days because anytime I would look at somebody, I would break down because I didn't know what to say to them. I didn't know how to explain what I had done or apologize. Um, it was just, it's, I really didn't get a chance to apologize or say or say thank you for being there because I was immediately coming off of you know what I had done and I was still feeling the repercussions of all of it and realizing the, the shame in myself for what I had done. And like I said, I, I suffered through that for three days and it was my first day in the behavioral health facility when my dad introduced me uh, to Dave, who runs the program, and, and told me about his son and what they do. And that was like my trigger to, to flip the script and instead of getting down, be outward and positive and, and change not just my life, but help as many people as possible. I had never met him before and he was such a positive person, mostly because of the fact that he focuses on you know, the anti-bullying and the, the depression awareness and the suicide prevention and that his son had gone through all this. He automatically understood and knew how to talk to me and, and genuinely wanted to hear my story and wanted me to tell people and it's taken three years for me to really do this, but I, I finally, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. It's amazing. I didn't really get that interaction with anybody else. I, there are some people, you know, maybe not my close group of friends or family who may not understand what happened. They might have heard, you know, through the grapevine or, you know, they, maybe they don't know at all because I still haven't gone through and, you know, sat down with these persons and talk to them. I think I've really talked to my mom and my best friends and my wife 
but other than that, I, I, it was it's very hard to to talk to people when you've done that and put them through that. But it seems like it seems like you're in a great place now. I would imagine. I mean, you, you mentioned your wife is kind of there right next to you, uh, which is great, and uh, you know you're still close with your family. Yeah, like I, I've, I've tried really hard to mend my close relationships. Like most of the time with people who I haven't been able to, you know, explain to what happened, it's basically people who like who care about me, but I may not be the closest with them. Like I have friends who I, I don't get to see every day. I live with one of my best friends. Um, he's, you know, like a brother to me, so we talk about everything. But I have other friends and family and all these people who do care about me that maybe I don't see every day. Like, like my grandma, I don't talk to her every day. Uh, I have, you know, another best friend who lives in another state. I don't get to talk to him every day. I, I'm just it's usually a contact thing with that. I don't just, I don't get to, to really speak with them and ask how they felt. I, I really went through a big amount of it with my wife because, again, she did go through the worst of all of it, finding me, and then seeing me go through the whole process. She caught the brunt of all of it, and I definitely sat down and talked with her a lot about it, and I, I you know, gone through with her what she went through and how she felt and it's it's still a hard thing for me to bring up to people that you know care about me and live through what I did because they were close with you know strangers or somebody having an issue it's much easier because I'm helping them but with these people it's a personal and it's bringing up something that you know I, I caused So, you know, I'm still just like blown away by all this, to be honest with you. Like, you're an incredibly strong person. Like, I just like I, I can't hammer that home enough, to be honest. Um, so, how did how did this whole experience and now, you know, now you're you're helping people. So, like, what is your new perspective, and do you feel like this is like your new purpose in life is to help yes that's it's i have a lot of things i'm trying to focus on because i was given a second chance that maybe i didn't deserve or maybe i didn't earn and i'm not going to waste it you know i was i got to wake up i got to you know i get to keep going so i'm in no way shape or form am i going to let myself get to that point i'm I'm going to do something with my life. I've finally found a job that I love and I'm moving up quickly the ranks because I work so hard and I, I want more and I want to, you know, prove to myself and, you know, be an example for people around me that there is stuff to live for, there's stuff to do afterward. There's a lot to strive for and it's not the end. Living with depression is not the end of your life. Dealing with all these things is not the end of your life. Um, I, you know, I, I have a, job that I work really hard for. Um, I, I call myself an author now, mostly because I was inspired by Greg. He said, if you're going to be an author, you need to call yourself an author. And I, I'm working on a fantasy, like two or three different fantasy novels, because I can never focus on one thing. I have to have multiple things going on at one time. Um, oh, I can definitely understand that. My- that. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. I, uh, I always have to have something going on, because I need to prove to myself that I can do it. 
I need to, you know, show other, I need to be an example for these, for people who are you know, going through and experiencing what I experienced. That I'm not, I'm not, you know, I didn't come back and then immediately go back to the same old patterns and, and fall back into the, you know, letting depression control me and getting to dark places all the time. I need to, you know, show and be proof that you can, that there's life, there's plenty of life after all this and after you've gotten help and moved past. If I just, you know, slip back into my old self and I, and I allowed the depression to take over and, you know, get down like that, it wouldn't mean anything to anybody. I wouldn't be able to help anybody. They'd say, you know, oh, well, you survived, but clearly it's still a problem for you and there is no end. I don't want anybody to think that. I have everything to live for. I am constantly striving, striving to be, you know, to push harder, to provide for my family and, and get to that next point. And you know, they call me fast track at work because I, I've moved through the company faster than, you know, anybody's like, seen in a while. And it's just because I have a drive now. I have that second chance, that, that reason to keep going. I, I have got a second chance and I'm not blowing it. I, I will make something of myself. I will show people that not everything is bad. You can move, you can get past this and you can be more and you can, this is not the end for anybody. That's amazing, man. It really is. I like, I, I'm just blown away. I really am. Like, I keep saying that, but I just am. Like, you're just an incredibly strong person. Like I said before, like, I'm never going to forget this. Like, and I'm just, like, grateful to have spoke to you because you have given me, like, a whole new perspective that I'm able to take with me for the rest of my life. And I consider myself someone that people like to confide in, and you have just, you know, given me just a, a, like a perspective that I can share with people as well and like a, a, a way to help somebody that may be dealing with some things. Um, so it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And I, and I know for a fact that you are going to be helping numerous people that will be listening to this episode as well. So it's just, just thank you for coming on and talking yeah, to us. Is, well, this is kind of my starting point. Like, you know, Dave came to me three years ago when it happened and wanted me to tell my story. And I, I, I've struggled with it for three years now. And this is like kind of be my, my starting point, you know, making sure that I know to myself that I can, I can still do this and I can still be the help people may need. And that way I can start working with him on this program and going to talk teenagers and, you know, people in the age range that this affects the most and try to, you know, prevent as much of it as possible and educate as many people as possible. The more people I can help, the better. There's not just for me, just for everything, for, you know, them and for the people around them and for anybody who's ever, you know, gone through this, I can help them with all sides. I've seen every perspective of it and I can resonate with every person on what may, they may be going through, whether it be suffering from depression or be dealing with somebody who has committed suicide or maybe struggling with these thoughts and, and, and not knowing what to do with them. If I can educate people and, and help in any way I can, that's, that's where I want to be. And hey, if we're some of your first audience members, I think we can say firsthand that 
uh, you know, you, sh- you should pursue this and you should go for it uh, because I think, you know, you have a really powerful story to tell and, you know, just have a really strong, you know, understanding of, you know, everything that has to go, you know, with this and, and, and the feelings and the emotions and kind of the stages. And uh, yeah, I mean, like Joe said, you know, th- this was great. And I think there's a lot of people out there that you're going to be able to reach, you know, not, not just through this show, but, you know, pursuing this on your own. Of course. And I, I do encourage anybody who, who wants to learn more about depression and what they may be going through to find a book called Understanding Depression. Uh, the author's name escapes me for right now for some reason, but it goes into great detail about every aspect of depression and how it manifests in different people and, and the physical aspects, like the literal synapses in your brain not firing properly. It's not, it's not something invisible. It's, it's a physical thing, and there's reassuring in it that you're not crazy. It's not just you. It's not something wrong with you. Yeah, I think I see it here. Is it understanding depression, what we know, and what you can do about it? Yes. Okay, and that is by J. Raymond DePaulo Jr. DePaulo and Leslie Allen Horowitz? Correct, yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, I mean, I just, uh, we just want to thank you for for coming on and, and, you know, opening up to us and being able to talk to us about something as uh personal and as serious as as this is well i'm I'm glad you let me on i i was worried that you know maybe this was too much of a topic like it is a big deal and it could you know affect people differently i didn't realize that you guys written me back to me so fast because i was at work (laughs) but i'd heard you know all all the episodes and what people have gone through and I said, well, it's all kind of steering towards this direction and hearing Danny's story on the basement yard was my, my tipping point, my, you know, pushed me into writing to you guys. No, absolutely. And I mean, we spoke about that too. You know, this isn't, um, I don't know if it's something we'd normally do, but I think the timing and just, you know, your email, just quickly understanding, uh, you know, from reading your writing, which I guess is a good sign. Keep, keep on writing. Uh, you know, just how passionate you are about this and, you know, just articulate about it. And, you know, we just kind of immediately, you know, realized that this, this, this would make a lot of sense. And uh, we really just want to offer up, you know, this platform, you know, to, to you. There's not much we're adding to this conversation, but we're kind of learning along with everyone else. Uh, and it was, it was very eye-opening. Well, that's one of the big focuses is education, making sure people know. No, absolutely. And, um, yeah, is there any anything else that you want to add, um, you know, before we wrap this up? Any, uh, you know, anything else that you think people should check out? Um, you know, any, I don't know if there's any, any place to reach you specifically or not, but, yeah, just, you know, and anything else uh, that you want to leave people with? Of course. Well, I actually, I created a Twitter specifically for this. I don't have a huge social media presence, so um, hoping, just hoping that you know, if somebody has an issue, they, I, I'd rather be there for somebody than not for somebody. So I do have a, a Twitter. It's at Daniel Tracy ninety four. Um, that's where anybody can come to me and you know, tell me about you know, if you have an issue or you need help. I'm more than willing to listen and you know, direct you in the right direction. Um, if you are struggling with depression and thoughts like this 
focus on the small wins. Maybe not a huge, maybe not a promotion. Like if you're really suffering from depression, maybe getting out of bed is your small win. Those small things that will you know, keep your emotional balance up, something that will keep you up. The small, just the little tiny wins in a day can be what keeps you pushing. Um, <clears throat> yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. And it's at Daniel Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, 94, right? Correct, yes. All right, great. Well, seriously, we cannot you know, thank you enough for coming on. And, you know, we just understand, uh, this, it can't be easy to talk about and just, you know, the courage that this conversation, the, the conversation takes, uh, and seriously, you know, thank, thank you so much. Of course. Well, thank you. Uh, my, my wife's been here. She's been pretty starstruck. We're really big fans of what you guys do and the content that you guys put out. She, I, I asked her before the podcast, I was like, are you going to be able to, to keep her cool? Cause she wants to freak <laughs> out and say hi to Joe. <laughs> Put her on. Yeah, you can tell. Hi. You can t- <laughs> hi. Hello. She's been. I have a huge fan. <laughs> I appreciate that. She. Sorry, she was getting a little emotional. I wanted to help. Little, you know, <laughs> she hears my story again. It, it gets bad for her too. So, thank you, Joe. <laughs> you both are just amazing people. I'm glad that I'm able to to talk to you. Yeah, we're we're fans of you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Greg. All right, you have a good night, man. Yeah, you guys have a wonderful rest of your evening. See ya. Bye. Before we get to our final thoughts, we've got a couple of sponsors. First one is Dollar Shave Club. Guys, if you've literally ever taken a shower, brushed your teeth, or try to make your hair look presentable, then Dollar Shave Club has something to help you out. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready in the bathroom uh, from just beyond razors, too. Obviously, that's kind of what they're known for. I've recently fallen in love with the butt wipes. I know we always talk about this uh, because who doesn't want to use butt wipes? And uh, Dollar Shave Club delivers everything that you need to look, feel, and smell your best uh, right to your door, which is amazing. No more going to the store and uh, whatever you need, whether it's shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, those tushy wipes that I always talk about. Uh, They have lavender calming body cleanser, which is something you probably didn't know that they had, uh, but also amazing. I'm randomly obsessed with lavender lately. I blame my girlfriend, but smells absolutely amazing uh so good luck finding you know going to the store and picking all that stuff up waiting in line checking out uh it sounds like a nightmare to me uh dollar shave clubs products are all made with top shelf ingredients uh so you won't have to break your budget and you'll still get stuff that is good for your body and trust me you will feel the difference plus Shipping is included with your Dollar Shave Club membership. They just keep sending it every month. You never have to worry about shipping. Super easy. You just come home. Boom. There it is. And uh, there's a great way to try a bunch of the Dollar Shave Club products for just five bucks. Just five bucks. You get their daily essential starter set. So that comes with body cleanser. Uh, It comes with their shave butter their best razor, which is the six blade executive. And you guessed it, 
one wipe charlies those butt wipes and uh you just keep the blades coming for a few bucks a month and you can even add in the shampoo the toothpaste whatever else you need to kind of you know fill in that uh bathroom cabinet and uh, you can check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash opl that's dollarshaveclub.com slash opl uh next we have hymns which is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Uh, HIMSS connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. About 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, so this is a good way to prevent that. There's no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements or you know prescription solutions that are backed by actual science. Um, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. You can save hours by going to 4 Hims dot com it's so easy you just answer a few quick questions a doctor will review and they can prescribe you and products are shipped directly to your door so it's very convenient you don't have to you know leave your house which is nice um right now our listeners can get a trial month of hymns for just five dollars today while supplies last see website for full details this would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy but now you can just go to forhymns.com slash opl that is forhims.com slash OPL. F O R H I M S dot com slash OPL. Uh, but yeah, this episode was just crazy. It was important. It was. And, and it, it, it just, it, you know what it was? It was just like, because usually, like, our rule is like, we want to learn from every episode. You know what I mean? And with this, it just felt like we had a responsibility almost to let this guy tell his story and and uh, kind of explain how he was able to do this crazy 180 because it... I, yo, dude, I'm just like, I'm such at a loss for words when it comes to this guy. Like, I really mean that because to go from such a dark place, like a lot of people don't even get there this dude was there and was able to get out of it Mm. and completely turn his life around and then dedicate his life and you know he said his purpose in life was now to help people and prevent that and spread awareness and stuff like it's just it's crazy like you don't meet people like that every day and i hope that he realizes that he's not just like some guy right you know this is this is this is not no this is not i want to say normal this is this is rare is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Well, also someone who can just put those feelings into perspective because like we said in the beginning of the show, you know, I've never felt those feelings. I've never truly sunken into, you know, depression or something that could be diagnosable like that. But so many people have and kind of just in mainstream culture, there's almost a joke around it, you know, around Oh, you're depressed. Oh, you don't want to. So you don't want to come right out. Now. You're depressed. Like you're in a bad mood. I'm so depressed. Right. And uh, I the- even. I don't know what that was. My laptop was just bugging <laughs> out. But anyway. Um, yeah, just I think depression and just like he was saying with suicidal thoughts, like getting to a point where, you know, you can say to yourself, "The world is better off without me," and mean it. That's just it's so hard to understand, but he really you know, put that in perspective because again, there's, there's just almost that like emo, uh, like humor and joke around that, you know, like forget it. The world doesn't need me, but you know, those feelings are so powerful. And and for someone to get to a point almost uncontrollably where, you know, they, they truly feel that way, that 
the world is better off without them um, to the point that they would take their own life. It, it was just so powerful to hear a story. You know, I mean, I think, yeah, I think we know our place on the show too. When, you know, we, we need to kind of let the episode speak for itself. I don't know yeah. how much more we can possibly add. to. I almost don't want to add any more. I don't think there's anything to say. compared to what he, you know, shared. And, and I think we should just leave it at that. Yeah. I will add, I just think it's important. Um, the national suicide prevention hotline, uh, that number one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, and uh, yeah, I, th- I I think we can really leave it at that. Yeah, and of course, you know, I don't even want to like plug anything, honestly. Like, I do, really do feel like this is a very important episode. I just want the last thing that I want everyone to hear is that if you are dealing with depression or you know you f- you feel some some way about you know, your life and you're, you feel like you're becoming suicidal or you are suicidal, then definitely reach out to someone, call the hotline, like Greg said. Uh, and this dude on our, on our show should be, you know, living proof that it's never too late to completely turn it around. So, yeah. and uh, we will plug one thing. He mentioned that Twitter, just again, it's at Daniel Tracy 94. Uh, feel free to reach out and have a conversation if you feel like that's something you want to do. And that is all. Thanks for listening.